Blog Talk Radio. can join us anytime by calling live to 347-215-8305, or you can join our chat room anytime during our entire show. And today we are covering, or actually talking about, life-changing moments, and we'll begin with my husband sharing some of his. You know, it it is fantastic to be back. First of all, I want to say that, and babe, life-changing moments can come in many different ways, and one thing that... Uh, I like to say is that you don't know sometimes when something is a life-changing moment until you are able to look back upon it, and then you can kind of see the knowledge and the different things that happen in these moments that can change your life. And I, I would start off first with uh, the one of the biggest, I won't say the biggest, but one of the biggest was the birth of our daughter. And for many reasons, this was a a life-changing moment for myself, and I I know for my wife as well. But uh, for me speaking, I would say that understanding what, you know, true love was all about, when you look into your child's eyes and you see them, you this is your blood and you would die for them. So it adds a whole other aspect to your life, not to mention the responsibility because now you are responsible for a life and you look at this little person and you hold them and smell them and kiss them and when you put them to sleep and you walk out of the room you run back in and check and make sure they're they're breathing and you, the responsibility and the love that comes with something like that is just something that I couldn't explain and now that I look back on it is one of my biggest life-changing moments as far as going from a young man and turning into a man and having and trying to raise a family. Which is wow, different. honey. I, I mean, coming from a woman's point of view, I can understand what that is. And being a mother, I can understand. But I know people are out there wondering, what does it feel like to become a father, you know, from a man's perspective? And I think you've explained that. But what, when you first realized, oh, my God, I'm going to become a father, how did you feel? Um, I felt scared. I will say that that was the first thing, fear somehow took over my body because uh, I didn't quite know if I was ready to be a father or what comes along with being a father. What is, is, like I said, the responsibilities with that? Uh So I would say that the first thing was probably I was nervous and fear and and my hands started sweating. And then as I embraced it, uh, a new facet of my life just began to unfold that was probably the happiest time that I have experienced up until that point, no doubt. Wow, honey, okay, okay. Well, I I would say that that leading into number two would be getting married. 
And for those of you who aren't married, you will experience this once it happens. And for those of you that are, you kind of already are probably feeling me on this one. But I would say that as for a man's perspective, obviously love. Uh, because, you know, to get to that point, there has to be love. But you're feeling a different type of love when you're ready to share your life with someone and love them and respect them. The love that comes inside of that type of uh, relationship environment is just its out of this world. But for me personally, there was a, a sense of order that came with that also because uh, not only the responsibility of our daughter, but also the responsibility towards each other, that now we have a family and we are going to love and cherish our family together. And the order that that brought with us making sure that we were focused as young newlyweds and uh, just trying to make the right decisions for our family was was big. And I would say one of the other aspects that was very large in, in a, this life-changing moment was the peace that overcame me, with the peace of I have someone that loves me for me, and I love her for who she is, and I am proud to uh, be wed to her. And that was something that was really, really big. And now as we we talk about this as life-changing moments. I'm so glad that this week we chose to take on this topic is uh, for a lot of people when you look back all of a sudden these things become clear but when you're in it you you might not see all of that but I would say peace was another big uh, facet of getting married. That's beautiful, honey, and I would also like to point out, too, that people don't, like you said, they don't realize that it's going to change their life forever. Once they even make the decision to get married, that's life-changing in itself, isn't it? No question. I mean, when when you start talking about marriage and talking about these different <laughs> things, all of those things start floating through your head, and you don't know really where they come from, but you but have to there. address them. <laughs> what did you say, babe? I said, but they're there, huh? Oh, no question. They they are there. They are there on a daily basis. And, you know, it, it's just a, a great time. And for us, getting married and renewing our vows every year, it's almost like it, it never quits. And that is beautiful in and of itself because that love that radiates from that very first moment continues on, and it has continued on throughout every marriage and throughout our life, which has been fantastic. Right. And so you got one on here about college. Let's talk about that. Well, the change, life, life changing of college was something that was really, really big because I would have to say that leaving home, I was a mama's boy, was, was always a mama's boy, but now all of a sudden I'm going to have to stand up on my own two feet and I'm going to be out there by myself. And that was big because mom was in Washington and college was in California and I really hadn't traveled that much. So I was just going, oh my God, what am I going to do? And once I got to college and saw it and I wasn't such a great student right off the bat, it was really frustrating and overwhelming. And actually when it was time to go home for Christmas break, I really had packed my stuff up and I talked to my coach and I said, you know, I don't think I'm going to come back. And he said, you know, well, your, your place is still waiting here. Come on back. And one of the biggest things I think that was really, really changing and really truly changed my life was the fact that I came home and I saw friends and I saw my old neighborhood and I saw that it was still the same and I wanted to try to build and do different things with my life and venture out and explore and college was going to allow me that opportunity. 
so when I saw that, I said, I'm going back. And that really, really changed my life and the focus and the direction of my life up until that point to put myself in a position to try to do something different than what you do just on a, you know, the average day-to-day hanging out in the neighborhood. Wow, and I bet you never thought when he told you that that you would come back and that underlying little comment that he gave you with your place is still there probably was like, wow, when you went back home. Yeah, it was because I had the trunk that we still have to this day, a (laughs) trunk just of my stuff. That's all I owned. And uh, I took it with me, and then when I came back, I brought it back, and I took out my clothes and hung them up in the closet, and I said, whatever's going to happen, I'm going to stick it out, and I'm going to make this situation, try to make it the best that I possibly can. And and truly, that was life-changing because my life started really taking a different direction as far as, you know, doing some some great things with my career and ultimately making it to the NBA. And like you said, just off of that comment that, hey, you can come back, your place is still here, and, you know, go check it out. And would you say that his kindness and the belief in you and him just offering some, some form of support like he did and not pressuring you helped too as well? Definitely. I, I would. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, babe, but I, I really think that he allowed me the ability to make a life-changing decision at that point that's right. instead of, you know, he could have said, well, that's it, and got upset, and then I didn't have a place to go back to, and now all of a sudden I put myself <laughs> in a, a position and maybe not... Uh, you know, everything wouldn't have worked out, and I, I wouldn't have been able to do the things that I've uh, been able to accomplish. But by him, you know, giving me the ability to say, hey, you make the decision, whatever is best for you, I think was very, very supportive at that time. Wow, wow, I, I can believe that. And you, you, you're going to speak about Mel Williams and how that worked out. Well, for everybody out there, Mel Williams was my high school coach. And up until the point I had uh, made the JV team and hadn't made the varsity team, and I was like uh, going on my sophomore year, so I hadn't had a whole lot of success. I had some success in basketball, but I hadn't had a lot. So, uh, you know, I was working hard and different things. And one day, you know, the team kind of had changed. We had a real good team the year before. I didn't play, but we had a great team. And then we came back, and all of a sudden we had this team full of guys, and we were trying to find our identity and find our way. And practice was going terrible one day. So he sat everybody down on the side, and he started talking (laughs) to us all. And and one of the things, it really built strength and confidence in me. His male said to me, he said, you know, out of all the guys in here, I want you guys to understand this, out of everybody in here, Doug, you probably only, you're the only one that has a chance to make it to the NBA. And, you know, in front of your peers, you know, everyone, I was like, wow, that's okay, that's different i've never heard that before this is this is something that's different and you know at the same time i think he was trying to let everybody know that you know this is going to be hard work guys i know everybody has these goals and aspirations but truly you know i'm looking at doug been around basketball for a long time and i think that you can make it and when i heard that it really built a strength and confidence in me that i can do this you know, that's my dream, uh, obviously. That was the goal. But, you know, when you, you're a little kid, scrawny kid coming from Seattle, you're never thinking that. No one in your neighborhood <laughs> has ever did anything like that. Well, there were two guys, uh, uh, Clint Richardson and James Edwards, that came before me. But they were like years and years before me. So no one had even really kind of touched that area. And it, it built a strength and a confidence in me. And I, I thank him to this day because 
that was one big life-changing moment and and that goes along with the college experience because if he would have never said that to me going to college and not really fitting in and stuff I might have gave up and not really came back but I knew that I had a talent and an ability and it really helped mold and, and shape the life that uh, we, we've been able to to lead and the kids and my wife have been able to enjoy that um, there's a strength and confidence that Mel Williams built in me that day when he said hey you can make it. And you know what, honey, in saying all that you said is so inspirational, and I think that everybody out there listening, and I see the call lines, is very, very busy. It, it would be great to offer some type of confidence or a nice, kind word to people when you get a chance because, as you can see, it changed my husband's life and made him decide that this is the path that I want to go down, and he actually made the most of it and became extremely successful. So just a, just some kind words or a little bit of belief in, you know, the next generation or youth or each other really would help, wouldn't you say that? Oh, that, that's big baby and I, I think a, a lot of times some people say if you don't have something nice to say don't say anything at all That's and right. a lot of times th that is really really true because you can say something and you might not even know that the person that you're saying to might look up to you as an idol and you know it, it might just be on a real low level but to that's them right. it might be something that's really really big and your word of confidence might be that thing that carries them through that difficult time that time when giving up is an option but they don't right. do it because of what you said to him. And you know what? Uh, that brings me, I just, for some reason, it just came over me to, to mention this while we're talking, and I'll talk about it a little bit in some of my life-changing moments in a few minutes. But when when I told you we were at the um, the Beverly Region Hotel where the team stays when you was playing, and we had that big Lakers series going with the Sacramento Kings, uh -huh. and um, you guys had went on to the team bus, and I was coming in the elevator, and I'll never forget the day that I met Tyra Banks. and. You know, the elevator opened, and she was standing there, and she goes, oh, my God, it's you, and, oh, I so look up to you, you so inspire me, and it just really made a difference in my life because you know, honey, all the stuff we've yeah. been taking up until that point, and I could turn the other cheek and ignore it, but for somebody like that who also is a fellow model and very extremely, I mean, ultimately successful in what she does, and I've always, you know, really thought, wow, she's got it going on because she can do acting, singing, and modeling, and she, you know, she danced to the beat of her own drum. To hear her say that, it really was special, and I'll never forget the warm feeling I felt, and I knew at that point that no matter what people say, they're not affecting everybody. They're not affecting my peers. They're not affecting people that, you know, are in the same type of, a, of lifestyle and environment and, um, you know, living in that celebrity world like we are. They're not thinking those those thoughts, so it really meant a lot to me, and I'll, I'll talk more about her later, but... I just wanted to add that in. It really made a difference. It made me feel like everything could work out and be okay. And that is the key with the life-changing moments right. and experiences that you go through and the fact that when you when it happens, you, you kind of have this feeling, but, mm -hmm. you know, you're in the moment, so you don't have the time to really check it out all the time. But then as you recollect, you can see that, wow, that was a Y in the road, and I <laughs> went right instead of going mm -hmm. left. And all of a sudden things work out That's and right. yes and that and that leads me to my last and and one of the biggest life-changing moments and experiences and, and it just happened was the death of my mom and i would yeah. say that this was big for a lot of different reasons and uh I, I would say it was the loss of my first and true friend yeah. um you know the biggest and longest supporter in your life uh as, as a parent 
when you have um, when you lose your parent, and I, I'm sure a lot of people have, and right. some people it'll happen later, but mm-hmm. it shows you how big family is at the same time because this is you know the first person pretty much that you meet and that you know because you know as a child you grow and you're always right there with them usually and it, it is it's a big thing but at the same time it, it showed me strength because family is there my wife and children were there for me the whole time and and we work through it together and those are the things that build you know, as as you go and as a family, you build them together, and these are memories and different things. And uh, death isn't always a negative thing. It no. you know, in a lot of different ways, it builds strength and confidence and a lot of different things. Not only in myself, but in our children, in my wife, in us as a unit together, knowing that we can work through things when they get difficult and hard. Because uh, nothing can be harder than losing you know someone that close to you. That's right, honey, and I, I would also have to say that it also makes you look at your life, and you don't don't you feel like you start reevaluating things? And okay, I got to do this, I got to do, that, I got to make sure I tell everybody close to me how much you know I care about them and how I feel about them. Mm-hmm. Don't you feel like it was a message, but at the same time, it was a good message? No question, it definitely was, baby. I mean, you you take uh, how you deal with. Not only, I mean, we do this a lot anyway, but always saying, hey, I love you or give you a kiss or different things like that. But it even makes you examine that more to make sure that you are doing that. And the last thing that I'm saying to my kids before they go to bed is love you guys, see you in the morning or something. Or if we're leaving the house, you're making sure because that's what you want them to know. You want them to know and this being a life-changing experience shows you and demonstrates so that now, hey, I'm reinforcing it. I'm making sure. And uh, unfortunately, it, it takes the death of my mother to do that. But it was something that we've been doing for a long time anyway. And God blessed us at the same time to be able to go and sit with her and talk with her. But uh, a very, very powerful time, and not only, like I said, for myself, but also for my wife, because she had time to talk and sit and laugh with my mom and, and our kids at the same time. So these are these are life-changing experiences that we're talking about today for everybody out there, if you might just be joining us, but some very powerful ones, and some that after the show today, I hope that people sit down and kind of look and, and check out, because they will see some of their experiences that have really changed their life that you might not think uh, have have did it. And there might be little things, you know, getting a dog, you know, some. <laughs> they're, they're, or, it, or even someone holding the door open for you because, you know, nowadays we don't show those kind of kind gestures and you think, wow, that was cool, and you almost spill your coffee and they just hold the door open and, you know, it's really like, wow, I, yeah. I really need to do something nice for somebody else. Definitely brighten, brightening your day in a way like that that my wife just said is so simple. But maybe you're having a hard day before that, and that right there just changed everything, and you your focus changed and all this. And now you look back and you see, you know, that guy or that gal that held, held the door open for me, that really helped me out. And it's something as little as that or as big as, you know, something different is. Uh, is definitely, definitely powerful. But. Definitely, and I, I would have to say I have a couple of life-changing experiences I'll share with you guys, and one of them is 
after I met my husband and we got married and actually seeing how my life completely changed because then you become you live under a microscope and people start judging you in ways that you never you're not used to. So my first reaction was to lash out and, you know, be argumentative and really confront folks because that's how I grew up. You don't sit there and, you know, tell a story or insult someone or just say something, you know, without expecting retaliation in return and so I had to learn that you can't you know react to it you have to ignore it turn the other cheek and know it you know stay true to your values and what you believe in and what you know to be true but it did take a while and um, I, I look back at some of the times when I actually you know kind of confronted people and you know and told them about themselves and then later they came back and apologized because they realized they were wrong in the first place and that was life-changing because then I was able to forgive them and move on you know wouldn't you, wouldn't you say that that allowed you to grow in that life-changing experience because now you've all of a sudden said, I'm going to do this in a different way, mm-hmm. and I'm still going to get the same response and feeling in the inside, but everything still works out the way that I want it to work? <laughs> Most definitely, and it did take quite a long time, but there again it goes back to when I met my husband because he was a lot more calmer and it took a lot more to I say ruffle his feathers, and he was more used to taking the criticism, being an NBA player, and then you know yelling, "Oh, you're not good, Christy, you suck, Christy," and that sort of thing. He knew how to ignore it, but me coming in, it's like, "Oh, wait, hold on," you know, and they're disrespecting not just me, but I put people around me before myself even. So it's like, wait, you don't say that about him. So I've been one of them wives sitting in the stand that actually argued with fans for a moment, and then I realized this, you know, we're all here to enjoy the game, and they they don't like Christy. Well, I love him, so I'm gonna you know, just ignore what you're saying, but I might not like whoever else they like, you know. So yeah. these are life-changing experiences that I've learned and I've tried to share with other wives through the NBA years that we were there, you know, just telling them to ignore it because they were like, how do you deal with this? Look at what they're saying. And I'm like, they're not just saying it about him on the court. They're saying it about me, my kids, our family, everything. But it changed my life to know that we have something special and that obviously, you know, they don't. So, and, you know, I took the good out of it. And and I would I would look at that. For you and for us together as we go into business and different things that it has really truly helped us in a lot of different aspects that we were able to go to these different type of (laughs) environments and stuff and survive and not that Mm -hmm. they were going to hurt us or anything but you know you got to keep your cool you know these people are cussing at you and yelling and you know that's your husband and you're going oh man (laughs) you don't be saying that and it for for the way that it went and started off and then the way that we were able to evolve and watch you evolve uh, mm-hmm. was definitely powerful and, and uh, man, life-changing. That's a good one. I would definitely have to say that. And then I, I'd say one of my other ones was when I was able to become a model because I was a tomboy when I was littler, but I always loved modeling since three or four years old. So, I, you know, once I went out for my audition to try to get into the agency and I went with like five of my friends and some of them were better or whatever, but they got up on the stage and they actually froze. So it made it better for me because I wasn't afraid, mm-hmm. and I actually got the job. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. So it changed my life and made me realize that I wanted to kind of go more on the straight and narrow and, and just really focus on learning and becoming the best that I could be in that field and learning about fashion and that sort of thing. And, you know, reading books early on was really life-changing in that way too because then when it came time to actually get out there and I didn't have the um, – you know, the fancy modeling school, you know, we didn't have that as our, our family didn't have the money for that. So I was able to learn it through books. So I think that changed my life, too, because it made me become an avid reader, and that's why I love reading books. Yeah, that that is very powerful. And, and that, that story has... 
confidence written all over it, the fact that you were able to go out and compete against people who did it, quote-unquote, status quo in the other way, but you were able, through your talent and God-given looks, of course, you were able, excuse me, able to go out and then just make it happen. And probably the first time that you went out there, were you nervous? Oh, my God. Yeah, I was nervous, but you would have never knew. And I actually, you know, was the, the smallest one because most of the models were 5'8". And I told them at the when we went for the job, this is after I was at the agency, that I was 5'8". And, <laughs> but, but I meant with heels. <laughs> and, of course, they, you know, once we, it came time to get up there and line up with all the other models, they had you do barefooted. And I was smaller, oh. but when they, when they did the rehearsal, I actually done really good. So they said, well, we're going to let you do the show, and I got the standing ovation. See, that, I remember Mom told me that story because she said, I had no idea Jackie was going to be able to model, and she got up there, and then they was rooting and hollering, and yeah. that that is very, I mean, those are the type of positive reinforcement and experiences that builds you in so many different areas, and the fact that you're able to read it and learn it builds a confidence and an understanding within yourself that shows you that, okay, if I did it in this area, Right. I can do it in this, 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 and this area, yeah. and now all of a sudden, you're, you're every time you hit the V in the road, you're going to go. Let me go get a book. That's right. That's that, exactly. That's right. power. That that is power. And then you can instill that in your kids, and you know, <laughs> on and on and on. But I'd say my last one before we jump into hot topics is when we were on the Tyra Banks show, honey, and me and her both, all of us actually, we all were in tears because we shared, I think, a moment of. We were going through what we were going through with, you know, the Brian Gumble and his insults that he made, and I was right. so angry because I couldn't get, you know, call him up and face-to-face tell him what I thought about him. And then she was going through what she was going through, and it was just that was the day that I think I forgave him and decided to move on and let the anger go because you know how upset I was. Every time it was brought up, it was just a really bad experience because I thought it was, you know, really low class what he'd done. But at the same time, I was able to forgive, and I wish him nothing but the best. I hope his show continues to be successful. But, you know, it just... That was life-changing for me to be there and us all to go through that and on national television. And I really didn't even care that, right. you know, people was able to witness that because I think it, you know, it was me being able to say how I felt about it finally. And I know that he caught that show because he likes our bank. <laughs> no question. You see, that that is what I'm saying, people, is the fact that you can take a quote-unquote negative situation you can go to a different situation, like the Tyra Banks show, and now all of a sudden this whole emotional thing comes into your life and it just takes you and you relieve the stress, you let everything go, and it takes you in a whole different genre and, and a focus. And I think in a lot of ways that, that my wife and I, you know, I'm closest to her so I can see the different changes, but let her relieve and let go of something that, you know, really can make you mad where she wanted to talk to him and I wanted to grab a hold of him. So that was, that was different, but um, that you're, you're right, babe. That was powerful in a lot of different ways because you're looking at it and all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I'm going to just go ahead and really say what I feel, and then I'm going to let it go. That's right. That's exactly right. Right. That That's that's big. And, that's, and all of these, for us, are so powerful because they are an example for our children. And all of these examples, we're trying, and we do, find the positive in it so that when we explain these things to them, we show them the positive and show them that, you know, there, there are different ways that you can go, and usually it's A or B, 
But we're choosing to go this way, and it might be a little bit harder or a little bit more difficult, but these experiences build character, and they build strength and courage and confidence in yourself. And over the long haul, you're going to be happy as an individual because you're trying to go about it maybe not quote-unquote the right way, but, yeah, the the right way without, you know, hurting or harming people and just saying, I'm going to learn it on my own and and try to figure it out because God is blessing me. That's right, and and we want to end this section and segment of our show just saying stay positive, and sometimes things are going to be negative, but I, I would like to share one last thing. A lot of people refer to our marriage as unorthodox or different or strange or not common or not typical, and they're very right, and that's a life-changing thing for me. When I first heard it, I was baffled because it's like, well, what do you expect? Do you expect him out at the clubs partying and then in the newspaper and me doing whatever, whatever? So we just want to say again, there's another way in which we're taking it and making it a positive. Stay true to your values and morals and, you know, try to do something nice for somebody because that's what this show is is based on today is that life-changing experience, good or bad. You know, you experience it, and it does change your life. No question. And they're going to be there every day. And like my wife said earlier, in the most, most subtlest of ways sometimes, as subtle as somebody opening the door for you or you getting ready to pull out of the parking lot and no one will let you out and someone stops and says, go ahead in front of me. That's right. That's right. But guess what? I think I hear something. Do you? Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's what I'm talking about, babe. I will have to say that on this day, we are going <laughs> to welcome back the Wizzle. But today, Wizzle, is the beginning of the NBA playoffs. So we are going to dedicate a lot of this sports segment to the playoffs in and of itself. What is happening with you today, Wizzle? Oh, it's a heck of a day for uh, sitting in front of a tube and just checking out some excellent games. Uh, as projected, um, I really, really think that every game in this Western Conference series will go, uh, it'll be entertaining for most people. I think that uh, every series will go seven games. Uh, oh, my, my, my. We've seen, a, 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 we've seen a good good, good game earlier, a good start with Phoenix uh, going down and double overtime to San Antonio and uh uh, I'm expecting a lot of a lot of good basketball right now. Speaking of the San Antonio and Phoenix game, which I, I did I did catch the end of it. It was a game that I think. That, now, when you say seven games, I totally agree with you on this because after last year's season between San Antonio and Phoenix, their series went the distance, and it was a pretty physical contest and all of a sudden Phoenix goes out and they get Shaq and they're saying this is what is going to get us over the hump and today all of a sudden they're up by 16 they are rolling and San Antonio just nibbles and nibbles and nibbles and then double overtime they win what does this do to the San, uh, to the Phoenix you know psyche what does this do to them well, you have a couple of different ways, uh, and obviously you've just uh, elaborated on it with taking the good or the bad, if you will, in this case, and then taking a positive spin on it. Um, you've got so much positive to look forward to. We, Yeah, we lost the game, but do you have a team that can compete without a doubt? Um, so you just got to come in here next game, focus on what you need to do, and try to get one, and at the same time understand that 
San Antonio is the reigning uh, uh, NBA champion, and it's not going to be easy. So expect him to defend their court with you know overtime type of defenses. Uh, Tim Duncan stepping out, hitting threes. Uh, uh, players making big shots. I think that's what it comes down to. But you know, ultimately, you got to pay attention to the easy buckets and 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 who scores and who gets stops when they need to. And uh, I just think that the the difference in today was obviously mental lapses and the difference between a team that is close knit and a group of guys that have been working together for a while and a new team that's kind of feeling its way out a little bit. So, but I I do think they have what it takes to compete. And we'll see what they come out with the next contest. Now, looking at San Antonio, do you think this shuts all the naysayers up? Because, you know, they're an older team. But that's not to say, hey, we're in the playoffs now. We're we're shifting into sixth gear where maybe everyone else only has five. We have six. Is this going to, you know, quiet all of those people with one win? Or are they going to have to show the whistle something? No, well, definitely. you. This, it is a playoff series. You do have to go out and win. Um, you don't expect Phoenix, Phoenix to roll over for you. So, I mean, it, hey, it's a, it's a great game. Um, the win, obviously, in that tough type of situation, obviously I guess it went to the better team because San Antonio, like we said, have been together. Um, they know each other, the personnel. Um, even uh, Brent Berry coming back from missing a month comes back in, and I'm, I'm sure he knows the system and, and didn't miss a beat. So, uh, you know, you expect that kind of thing, and we'll see what happens next time out. Like I say, uh, uh, Phoenix really, really looked good today. They didn't play as smart as you would like, but they're playing against arguably a superior uh, team as far as uh, close-knit guys. Uh, we know what everybody's going to do, and everybody's accountable for what they do. And so uh, it was a good game, and I really expect Phoenix to come out with the same type of effort. But at the same time, recognize that San Antonio is – the champion, and they are a close-knit group of guys, and they've been working together for quite some time now, so that really helps out in the end. No question. The championship, is, it looks like it may have to go through San Antonio, but Cleveland and Washington, and let me say this, Wizzle, what is wrong with Deshaun Stevenson saying that LeBron James is overrated right before the first playoff game in Cleveland, Ohio? Did he lose his mind? What is happening? Well, again, it's there's a lot to do with playoff experience, with guys having, uh, you know, the where, the awareness to know what to say and, and when to say, and and obviously it's not a problem because you know everybody talks head and by talking head, I'm you know smack talk, trash talk, and and um, we certainly don't expect it to to fall out right now, and and uh, people don't forget that these teams have some history together. Uh, the past three years have been a, a kind of a, a tough ride for Washington. But, uh, hey, that's the kind of thing that goes down. The thing that I would be concerned with is you got a player who's not going to demand a lot of attention as far as uh, defensively on the other end. And so that poses problems for it. Now, it would be different if it was, you know, like maybe Gilbert or somebody talking a bunch of stuff. But this guy's really got to put up on the other end now. And Otherwise, LeBron gets to rest, and you've got to kind of see what happened today. And speaking of Agent Zero, that would be Gilbert Arenas. He, he did talk a little bit. He said that we want Cleveland. And I think a lot of that may stem, like you, you alluded to, Wizzle, that they have some history together. But 
just being in playoff series before, you don't want to give anybody bulletin board information and material right at the beginning. Wait till it gets going a little bit. And for both of those guys, one, you take a shot at the at the leader, at the best guy of the team. Then the second comment saying we want Cleveland gives the whole team now something to put on the bulletin board. Well, you know, if you were a Cleveland Cavalier, you'd be absolutely irate. If you were a wizard, you'd be like, we've set ourselves up, and we've got to step up, step up to where our mouths have, have uh, raised the bar. But as an NBA fan, I love it. I love when basketball's got a little friction in between it. Uh, you hear uh, the guys trading blows in the press, and, you know, they meet up for the game. You see Gil walk over to, to LeBron, they give a hug, and it's like, you know what's up now, you know. And it's right. still, you know, it's, it's basketball. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a part game that is transformed and elevated itself into this uh, corporate business. But yet still, in the hearts of all these young men and, and out there, it's, it's, it's still a game where we go out and it's a lot of pride and we just go to have fun. So um, I think I don't have a problem with it, and I think that uh, more teams need to have friction in basketball because I think it's, it's excellent. Well, we got San Antonio up 1-0 on Phoenix, Cleveland up 1-0 on Washington, and playing right now. And give me give me some insight on this series because I'm going to say that I, I've got Dallas winning this series, and that would be New Orleans the two-seed in the West versus Dallas the seventh-seed in the West. Tell us a little bit about that, Wizzle. Well, again, we got a, another uh, flight of teams that have uh, – elevated their play um, you got new chemistry with the team that Dallas has but with that being said uh, there isn't too much that has to change other than people just you know just wanting to play with this guy we're talking about playing with somebody who's identical uh, to Chris Paul's game and that if you just run and play with him he's going to make the job so easy for you I'm talking about by you know if you're a guy who needs to dribble all of a sudden, you don't need to dribble because the ball is where you need it. Right. So if, if you're a, a pure basketball player, those are kind of people you want to play with. And I think it's going to come down to a battle of the point guard spots. And obviously, those guys are going to pretty much, uh, pretty much cancel themselves out. So then you got the accompanying talent. I seen uh, Peja had a slow start, so it's going to be those type of things because uh, uh, Dallas really has a good team. They play well. Um, they got a good coach and. They pretty much stick together, and, and again, they they got guys who are battle tested, a lot of playoff experience on their on their bench, and so uh, we'll see what happens with that. You know, playoff experience it does mean a lot, and it weighs in a lot right now. Definitely, I think that's the biggest key that that you could have pointed out was New Orleans as good a team with 56 wins this year as they are facing the Dallas Mavericks in the first round, a team that got put out by an eight seed last year, has a chip on their shoulder, made a lot of trades, has a lot to prove. That's not the type of team that you want to tangle with in the first round. That's why I'm going with, with the Mavericks, Wizzle. Can't lose there. And, uh, again, I think that the that Jason Kidd is finally at a, at a stage in his career where he's actually can see a chance. And I think he's got a good chance and he can do something that's, you know, it, it isn't it, it it isn't seen right now, but you got the chance to go out there and get some wins, and it's one game at a time. And if and if you can just keep winning and and look forward rather than you know worry about what you did last week or a loss or you know if we won, if you try to stay even, you can go out and win the next contest, and you'll find yourself uh, playing for the West, and that's that's pretty much the what you want. 
So I think he's got a great chance, and there's every chance in the West right now. Well, let's stay in the West. Since we're in the West, let's stay in the West. We've got two more matchups, and the first matchup is in Tinseltown. Los Angeles, California, Kobe Bryant and the Lakers versus Allen Iverson, Carmelo Anthony, and the Denver Nuggets. And who do you got in this one? This is an interesting matchup because uh, L.A. has one superstar in Kobe. Denver has two superstars in A.I. and Melo. But team ball, I'm, I'm looking at the Lakers here. Well, obviously the Lakers are a better team on paper. Uh, they got a lot of talent. They lead the the series uh, this year. I, I believe it's three to one. Um, so uh, again, they've got a lot to. Denver has a lot to to to, to do to try to offset uh, Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. But you know, yet and still, uh, you got a lot of good talent. You pretty much got sixty between, sixty points between. Uh, Allen Iverson and Carmelo Anthony. Um, they got a good coach, and we're, again, you got a an, an inspired Carmelo Anthony in in, uh, in the light of uh, his uh, little altercation that he had earlier in the week. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I, I think it's going to be a good series, and again, I think it's one that we're going to be looking for seven games. You know, I I, I agree with you. This series is going to going to go a little bit and and I'm looking at the the key matchup and we've talked about this before but I I think that the key matchup is going to be Paul Gasol versus Bobo and Nucknuck. <laughs> well, hey, without a doubt, they got uh, plenty of Bobo and Nucknuck type players and uh and Kenyon Martin, uh, obviously Marcus Camby, uh Nene, uh a bunch of big bodies, they throw themselves around pretty good. They all play aggressive. Even uh, on the even the guards, the guard play is aggressive. So uh, it's going to be a scrap. There's no doubt about it. Um, there's a lot of history between the coaches uh, as far as that type of thing, and there's a chess moves. There's almost a game behind the game. So uh, th- again, that's something to keep your eyes out for. This is going to be a, a great series to keep your eyes out on. So uh, hey, go with, go in with who you will, but be looking for seven games. There you go. That one is still up in the air for me. I want to see a game or two before I put my neck out on the line. Last in the Western Conference, we have the Houston Rockets versus the Utah Jazz. And I'm just going to say this. I'm going to drop my neck right on the line right off the bat. I'm going with the Utah Jazz. I think that their team is solid, great coaching. Houston has great coaching also, but... Uh, their system is in place. Now, if Houston had Yao Ming, I, I, I'd give them a better shot, but I, I'm looking at the Jazz with this one, and they got history from last year. What are you thinking? Well, I, I like the Jazz in this one, too. Um, they're one of my sleeper teams. I, I really got a, a lot of respect for coaches who instill a system, and I won't waver for my team. Or And it's understood through management that it, this is the coach. He runs our show. And everything's gonna snap into place after that, and and that's the kind of success that you've been seeing with Utah, and as far as they've been having for quite some time now. And you know, again, with their players, they got all-star type players. Um, you got an inspired player in Andre, not Andre Miller. Uh, I forget his name right now. I'm sorry about that. But uh, your point guard, uh, Darren Williams. I'm sorry. And uh, as far as getting snubbed potentially from the all-star team and uh you got a real nice player and carlos bruiser so it's going to be a nice series that's going to be a good a good one 
I agree with you, and I just look at the the star power there, and that that means a lot usually in the playoffs. The fact that Utah did get into the playoffs last year really by getting to the Western Conference Finals, got a lot of experience very quick, and they're still young, I think really bodes well for them as what you call a sleeper team. And the fact that you got Boozer and you got Williams and you got Mehmet, those type of players, and let's not forget Andre Karolinko and defense, and you know he can put up tremendous numbers in every category across the board. Uh, you know, I, I look for him to maybe have a triple double or two, maybe come close to a quadruple on a good night. And I, I just think they're going to be too much for the Houston Rockets, especially with Ray Ferguson out. I believe for the first two games, is that correct? Yes, and that uh, definitely affects uh, some of their outside shooting. Uh, some of the swagger that their team has, some of that attitude, that bobo, nuck nuck player that you have off your court, um, definitely without a doubt. And uh, let's not uh, oh, let's not forget about the fact that there's one man sitting over there in Houston who uh, I think this is, is is a huge opportunity for him, being that he's never got out of the first round in the playoffs. So uh, we'll see what happens over there in Houston. They got their job cut out. I really like their coach. Uh, He's, he seems to, to implement a system well as far as with their players. They, he's got the same kind of players that he needs as far as for the Sacramento Kings type of fame. You, you get Bobby Jackson back. You got a smart player in Shane Battier who kind of makes your Doug Christie type of impression out there. Hey! Tall, lengthy. Uh, go, you know, uh, go uh, do the intangible things. Defender. Uh, doesn't have to defer to the ball. So I like their team. I just think that Utah is a better unit. I think they have more experience as far as uh, uh, just being on the court together. And I really like their length and ranginess. And uh, aside from Millsap and, uh, and a couple other players they got coming off the bench with high energy. So I really I, 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 I like Utah in this one, but in seven. Woo! Wow. Every game in the Western Conference going seven games. That's going to be unprecedented. Well, let's jump to the Eastern Conference. We got Boston versus Atlanta. What do you got there, Wizzle? Boston in the sweep. Wow. Denver, or, excuse me, Detroit versus Philly. You said that so fast, I didn't know what to do. Should <laughs> I jump forward? Should we talk about it? But you said in a sweep, really. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> gonna, it's going to be a tune-up for, you know, one of the sharper teams, and uh, you expect them to come out to and make it uh, an impression. And... Uh, a dominant impression, and uh, I think that it'll come out and they will hold the court wherever they play with the Hawks. Whittle, have you looked outside? Just for everybody, we are in the Pacific Northwest. I just want you to know. Oh, we're, we're in the Pacific Northwest? We're I thought he snowing. was in Pittsburgh. <laughs> that, that's bad, man. It's looking bad outside. Okay, but anyway, we got Detroit. How are you looking at them with their matchup? Well, Detroit is uh, looking at Philly, and this is going to be, I believe, a six-game series, possibly. Ooh. I think the Philly might get a couple of games. I think they're gonna, they could possibly surprise Detroit with their athleticism. I don't think that a lot of people are giving them the credit that that uh, Mo Cheeks is, uh, has been giving them as far as their athletes and some of the inspired play defensively that they've been uh They've been improving over the, uh, the since the All Star break too, and they've really made a good push to get up there. So I expect them to get a couple wins and keep building on the momentum from last year, as far as uh, building at the end of the year. So, but I, and, and not only that, I think that Detroit tends to take nights off. 
Yeah. And that's nothing personal with, you know, it happens to the best of them, but I just think that they could possibly not show up a night. And, you know, and those are nights that Philly's going to get it because they got a lot of energy and, and some of the high flyers that they got, those, some of those plays will take the wind out your sails. So I look forward uh, to get a couple. I think I'm going to agree with you on that one. I wasn't looking at it that way, but but you opened my eyes right there, and I agree. Detroit is so good that sometimes they take a night off. You are correct there. It was a very good insight, by the way. we got Cleveland and Washington, and uh, obviously Cleveland's up one game to nil, but what are you looking at in that series? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at seven games in this one. I expect uh, Washington to come out and, and, and really, really focus on trying to get uh, a win this next trip and try to get a split in Cleveland so they can go home and, and, and try to make it as difficult as they can. Um, again, if you can take Cleveland home and and you can, uh, you know, offer LeBron 40 points but continue to put the clamps on down on the rest of the team, I think that uh, the Wizards can possibly come away with that one. But I think ultimately – I think Cleveland's going to get that in seven games. There you go. And what about the Orlando matchup? Who you got there with the Magic? Orlando. You know, I've been going back and forth with those guys, but, uh, you know, I, I really, really like uh, I like their team. I like Dwight Howard. Um, I I really, really, I, I like what they're doing. I like what he do, Turkoglu is doing, and I think that, um, He's been his inspired play has really, really carried those guys as far as uh, ball handling and uh, his basketball IQ and some of the intangibles that he he brings from being an international player. So um, I'd like to give them the nod in this one, and I think that that one. Uh, let's see, we'll go five to one. I think they can go ahead and handle their business. Up. I don't know how Chris Bosh is feeling. I know that uh, Toronto had a big uh, a big loss and. One of the foreign players, I forget his name right now, but yeah, I really, I really like Orlando on this one. I think they should come out and and, and try to step their game up and and try to establish themselves as a prominent East Coast team. There you go, everybody. East Coast, West Coast basketball in the NBA. And next week, tune in because we're going to go back to our fantasy finals. And next week, we got Phoenix versus Detroit in the fantasy finals. So the whistle is going to let us know if those two teams make it. Who's going to win? As always, Wizzle, it is beautiful talking to you with your insight in the world of sports. No doubt. All right, you guys enjoy yourself. And my leaving note is get hyphy and ghost ride your whip. (laughs) Peace, y'all. All All right, then, Wizzle. And now we'll move right on into Hot Topics, honey. And today we got Dwayne Wade and what's he doing? Uh, well, Dwayne Wade and Star Jones, is that true? Come on, tell me Well, that that's true? what the tabloids say, and we're not sure, so we're not going to jump in the middle of that because uh, Star Jones is a big woman. No, actually, she's not a big woman anymore. But, no, she's a great lady, and I think that um, gossiping, as they have done with us in the past, we know things are not true. So until there is a wedding ring on her finger and she holds the license, I won't believe that. I think I'm going to ride with you on that one. Dwayne Wade and Star Jones, I don't know, but if you are, you are. I don't know. I'm not going to mess with that one. Definitely, and then we'll jump right on down to Britney Spears, and she will, in fact, fight to get her kids back. I think that's great. I don't know if she's mentally stable right now. I never doubted if she was or not, but I know there was some drugs involved, supposedly, and she went to rehab, and she's getting herself together. She sure is looking great, and that's that's on, on point. That's awesome. I'm so happy she's doing that because I wish the best for her and any 
anybody else, but um, she is going to fight to get her kids back from Kevin Fenderline. I, I saw a tabloid report recently, honey, where they went on a vacation together, and I was hoping and praying that they would work it out and get back together because, you know, I'm a big advocate for marriage and just for forgiving and working things out. Yeah, that that. That is beautiful, babe. Excuse me. That the, the fact that you're fighting for your kids is going to give give them uh, the knowledge and understanding that mommy loves them. So that is a beautiful thing. Yep. Going to number three, and I'm going to mention it, but I'm not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole, and that will be Quest, a CNN reporter, was found in Central Park, and I'm going to Okay, say, we'll leave it right there, and we'll move right on then. <laughs> into number four. And my husband was going to tell you, if you want to read about Quest in Central Park, go to AOL.com, and it's on the front page, and it's breaking news, and it's big. And we pray that that's not true, or if it is, somebody get some help. Okay, number four, new kids book out on plastic surgery. Now, yeah. That's scary. They're telling children, I believe, well, what it actually says is it is a book called, it's titled um, Mom's Getting a Tummy Tuck and a New Nose. But how does she tell her kids? That's, you know, kind of what they're talking about in the book. And it says a Florida plastic surgeon has written the first known picture book animated at four to seven-year-olds that seek to reassure them about mom going under the knife. And it says My Beautiful Mommy is first known picture book that aims to explain cosmetic surgery to young children. And I think his his motivation for writing it might be you know, good. I think he might have some ulterior motives actually and in a in a subliminal way he might be telling kids it's okay to when you grow up because that's the way the world is changing, let's face it folks, and if he can, you know, get kids to feeling better, well and he's went to school and learned to become a plastic surgeon, he might, you know, or you know, he might be able to get more kids to do it or more people to do it. And, and I hope that it's because he really wants them to feel great about it because their moms made that decision. And I hope it's not like an advertising ploy or an encouragement type ploy. What do you think, honey? I say no, 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 no. We do not want to encourage. Love yourself. You guys put here by God. You're beautiful. It doesn't matter. You're loved. Your family loves you. And, man, no, please, don't leave the babies alone. That's what I say. Please, please, please. And we are winding down our show. we got about seven minutes to go, and we wanted to cover a few topics in love and romance. And we'll jump right into becoming best friends. And my tip on that, or what I would say um, in reiterating how important it is to become best friends with your mate is, don't try to rush it. Take your time and make sure that you understand that 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 should be your best friend and soulmate. We've talked about it quite extensively on our shows before on how important it is to be soulmates. But best friends is is basically the same thing. And we want to reiterate that. Me and Doug is is buddies. A lot of people go, you guys have a great relationship, but, you know, you you don't always get along perfectly with your best friend. Sometimes he wants to do something or she wants to do something that you may not want to do, but ultimately you love that person, as with my husband and his best friend, Ty. And um, me and my one of my best friends named Shelly, you have differences, but at the same time, the, the bottom line and the goal is to love and respect one another and to always be best friends. So I would just say be best friends in your relationship, and then we'll move into number two. And number two is learning how to trust your mate. And and this is a big one. And there's really one point, babe, that I I would say right here, and that is you have to earn it over time. And those are little things that build that trust. And that trust is something that can be built over opening the car door for your wife or husband, whatever it is. These are little things that you build and you work on along the way. Being honest about something that you might be afraid to be honest about, that's a way to build trust because that person's going to know that it's hard for you. And if you come out and be 
you know, bold and be strong in that way and say, I'm sorry about this or I said that, but here's the truth of it. It'll build trust too, huh? No no question. I, I Saying sorry is a big thing because a lot of people don't maybe feel like right. they can do that. And when you see somebody step out of their comfort zone for you, that's automatically going to build some trust, which is a great thing. Definitely. That's fabulous. That's right. And then we jump into faithfulness and how important that is. If you are unfaithful, you will be violating that other person. So think about that when you're making decisions, whether it be talking on the phone to someone intimately or even if it's not intimately. If you are doing that and you're not being honest and letting your mate know about it, that's not being faithful. That's being unfaithful, and it could lead to trouble. So make sure you keep faithfulness on the number one forefront of any relationship, whether it be marriage or boyfriend and girlfriend. Then we'll move into number four. Number four being longevity and keeping true to your commitment. And this starts with believing in each other and showing support to each other. That is how you are going to build that longevity in your relationship and also having fun because the more that you're having fun and having a good time, you're going to want to be around each other and then you are going to get that longevity because longevity is each and every moment. I want to reiterate that. Longevity is each and every moment and all of a sudden you look up and it's been 20 and 30 years and you've built that longevity that you're looking for. That's right. That's right. I can only say my husband said it perfectly. And number five in rounding it out is standing up for your relationship. No matter what, we say that over and over again. If you want to see some people who have stood up for their relationship against all odds, against the worst possible discrimination and so on and degradation and cruelty, go to go to Google and Google Doug and Jackie Christie and or Doug Christie, the NBA, or Jackie Christie, or millions of other um, subheadings. And if you put our name in there, you will find the kinds of things that people have said because we have loved and respected one another. And if that, you know, is inspirational to you, we appreciate that. It is harmful to children, so children don't go. Do not read those <laughs> topics. But adults, please That's do. That's a disclaimer. Definitely. It's a disclaimer. And please, adults, read it and see. But always, always, always stand up for your relationship no matter what the odds are. And, again, once again, we want to thank you for joining us. And until next time, goodbye, our friends. Peace. Respect.